Good morning uh, again, congregation. Um, it's it's good to uh, to hear everyone, and um, I pray that uh, very soon we'll be able to see each other um, on this first day of the week. Um, the uh, title of my lesson this morning is uh, to uh, pledge your allegiance to God, and what that looks like. And I just want to start off by by talking about um, you know the the act of pledging one's allegiance and the scripture reading uses uh, that we just read from and I'll and I'll go back to in the book of the uh, book of Psalms the 30, 37th chapter verses 4 and 5 it uses a word called commit and the Webster's dictionary um, has or defines the word commit as to make a pledge or a pact or um, an agreement to to carry something out or to do something, um, and we commit ourselves to a number of different things. Uh, we commit ourselves to our jobs. Um, we've committed ourselves to our uh, to our husbands or our wives. We've committed ourselves to our children. Um, we've committed ourselves to um, maybe even the country. If if <clears throat> if we have a someone who is a part of the military um, when they when they um, uh, were enlisted or went through a military academy, they raised their hand and they they pledged uh, themselves and uh, to the the military and to the country. And we all, um, via the pledge of allegiance, have raised our right hands or or put our hands over our hearts, um, pledging allegiance to the United States of America. And those are all different facets, but the same type of commitment, um, which is to, to pledge ourselves to doing things to the benefit of whatever it is we pledged, uh, pledged to or committed to. And I, I got to thinking about um, uh, what it means to, to do that, and um, well, I'll just jump into it. Um, I won't spend a whole lot of time just giving you my thoughts. Um, there's one verse, again, that, that I go back to. It's kind of like a warm blanket. Um, in 2 Timothy, if you have your Bibles there, let's, let's just go over to that and read that for a few moments. In 2 Timothy, the, the very last chapter. And give me a second here to flip over there. Uh, the fourth chapter. <clears throat> I am always kind of struck by what Paul told Timothy in verse number seven. Um, and, it, and it reads, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. And I wonder what it takes to do that. What level of commitment does it take to um, to go through uh, well, in Paul's case, he wasn't always a Christian. Um, he was similar to us, maybe even the, the best example of each and every one of us were prior to him uh, coming in contact with Jesus on the road to Damascus that he was pretty much the Antichrist. He did not believe in Jesus. He did not believe that the man that they had crucified uh, some you know months and years earlier was the only begotten Son of God. He believed that 
anybody who believed that was an apostate, such that uh, they were worthy of jail and, and being killed. Um, as we know in the book of Acts, the first chapter, that it was Paul who uh, gave permission for the stoning of Stephen. Um, so he was in every way someone who was against Christ. But it took a, a personal visit by Jesus himself on that road to Damascus for him to see the, the error of his way. Um, he, he heard, he believed, he repented, and he was baptized into the body of Christ. And from that point on, as it says in 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, um, he committed himself. He fought a good fight. He finished his course. He kept the faith. And I was thinking, well, does it take a visitation by Jesus to uh, be fully committed to the extent that Paul was? And, I, and we all know the answer to that question, that um, yes and no. And here's, here's what I mean by that is, we, were, we are all visited, or we have all experienced Jesus Christ through the gospel. While we did not see him in the, in the same form and fashion that Paul did, so the answer to that question would be no, but certainly we experienced him in a spiritual sense, through the word, and through that, through that experience with Christ, through being made aware of who Christ is, and... Um, both uh, his life and times, we also heard the gospel, believed the gospel, repented, confessed, and were baptized in the same form and fashion um, that Paul was baptized. And I would even, I would even go to say that um, our visitation by Christ, or our experience with Christ, was much more powerful than Paul's was. Um, for Jesus has, has said that blessed be those who believe and have not seen. And each and every one of us believe in Jesus Christ, yet having not seen him. Um, but Paul did, and the rest of the disciples, or, or the, the twelve apostles, uh, who lived, who, who saw, who touched, who experienced Jesus in his physical form, their belief is, and I wouldn't say inferior to, but their belief was based off of physical evidence. Our belief is based off of evidence that we cannot see. And that speaks to um, what uh, Hebrews the 11th chapter and verse number 1 says about what faith is. is faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So um, our belief and our faith is blessed um, per the man Jesus Christ, and I and again I, I go back to, um, in the context of that, what level of commitment does it take to, um, to fight that good fight of faith and can and to continue, um, well, let me read it verbatim: finish one's course and keep the faith until the very end, and that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning. Um, and to that, if you have a Bible available to you, we'll be reading from the book of Jude. If you have a Bible, uh, again, we'll be reading from the book of Jude. And we'll start off in verse number 17. Now, the first part of the book of Jude talks about <clears throat> the ramifications of not living righteously. Righteously. 
my study Bible, you know, has it here, the judgment of false teachers. But um, I would say that it goes even beyond that. Um, it talks about um, Enoch, and it talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. It talks about, um, you know, the angels in heaven who 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 left their their first estate. Um, it talks about Michael and his contention with with Satan over the the body of Moses. Um, there is always a struggle between doing what's good and and doing what is um, what's bad, or in this case, doing what is right and doing what is wrong. And in verse number seventeen of the book of Jude. Uh, Jude writes here, But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you that there should be mockers in that last time who should walk after their ungodly, excuse me, who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. And that is certainly a, a true saying. Um, and one that we should all take to heart as we as we go through, um, you know, the balance of our lives, certainly in 2021, um, where you can see out there that there's there is a need for us to commit ourselves to fellowshipping one with another, um, even more so now than than in the past, um, because the more that we surround ourselves with one another who share in that commitment, the less time. We are spending out there with those mockers um, who um, in these last times will walk after their own ungodly lusts. Um, these are individuals, as it says in verse number 19, who separate themselves, who are sensual and have not the Spirit of God. And that's an important um, definition that I just want to highlight um, because if you go back to Second Timothy uh, the fourth chapter. <clears throat> it says that um, in the the beginning part of verse number four of Second Timothy, he charges Timothy um, to remain committed to preaching the word, as it says in verse number two, to be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they Who's the they? I would say that the they is these mockers that Jude is speaking of in verse uh, verse number 18 and 19. Those who will separate themselves from God, sensual, and, and having not the Spirit. Again, he says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and shall turn away uh, their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. And as we have all committed ourselves to being servants of God, um, it's important for us to, um, with that pledge, um, to do the things that Paul told Timothy about being instant in season and out of season. Make full proof of our ministry as an evangelist to spread the gospel. Um, and, and I may be wandering a little bit from my point, um, so I'll come back to it, which is it is so much more important, so much more valuable for us to remain together, um, remain as a, as a unit, 
to fellowship as often as we possibly can. Um, I'm not saying that that we should, you know, uh, you know, have a compound, if you will, where um, and, and just completely separate ourselves from society. That's not what the scripture is asking us to do. But more so, the scripture is asking us to um, remain remain committed to one another in our fellowship, to avoid falling victim to these mockers that the apostles have warned us of in these last times. And um, with that, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians. Uh, 2 Corinthians, the, uh, the 13th chapter. And uh, verse number 5. You know, uh, an attribute uh, of our fellowship... Uh, again, 2 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, and verse number 5, um, Paul, tell, Paul told the church in Corinth um, to examine yourselves. Uh, and if I were to flip that around to, uh, to direct it to each and every one of us today, I, I could replace yourselves with ourselves. Um, that we are to examine ourselves, whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobate. And so, what, what other way can, can we examine ourselves and, and approve one another as being members of the body of Christ is by being around one another. Um, if we are not engaged in, in fellowship, if we're not engaged with phone calls, with with emails, whatever other form of communication exists out there for us to connect. Um, absent that, will we'll we be unable to um, do exactly what Paul has charged the church at Corinth to do? And the reason why he charged the church in Corinth to do that is because of what he wrote in verse number 11. That these mockers, these, these sensual people who have not the Spirit, um, if we fail in our obligation to self-examine one another, um, it will allow false teachers and false prophets to enter in. And uh, as he wrote in verse number 13, um, for there are false prophets, or false apostles rather. Um, and this is 2 Corinthians the 11th chapter and verse number 13. Um, these are individuals, deceitful workers who would transform themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. And so it's important that we remain connected and committed to that connection and that fellowship um, in order to remain faithful until death. I know I'm flipping around and I apologize, but if you would turn your Bibles back to the book of Jude. In Jude, the 20th verse, um, again, Jude tells us to, again, to, to beware or to remember the fact that there will be mockers in this final time. He continues this warning by stating in verse number 20, But ye, beloved, building up, your, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. 
And, you know, that's the second thing that we must do is to remain in the love of God. Well, what is the love of God? Um, or to what does it mean to keep yourselves in the love of God? And we've talked about this a number of times. Um, but you can go to First uh, John, the fifth chapter. <clears throat> um, where it reads in verse number one. Um, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and, the, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And there it is there. Um, Jude is, is telling us, you know, as, as a warning, um, that we should remain in the love of God. And, and to remain in the love of God is to remain committed or to follow through on your pledge as a Christian to um, be faithful to His commandments, to do all the things that God has commanded you to do. And there are really only two commandments that you can find in the New Testament Scripture. The first commandment is that you are to Love God with all of your heart, your mind, and your soul. And in essence, in every facet of your life, you have to put God first. That's the first commandment. The second commandment is like unto it that you are to love your neighbor as yourself. And we know that Jesus talks about that, that, that loving your neighbor doesn't mean just your good neighbors, but also your bad neighbors. And those are the only two the only two commandments that we are committed to abiding by until death. And those are the the two commandments that that Paul um, remained faithful to, such that he could say in Second Timothy chapter four that he has fought the good fight, he has finished his course, he kept the faith. And I want to talk about my, my departed brother for a second. Um, and Brother Porter was committed to love. Um, I, I can't, uh, and I've known Brother Porter for a very long time. Um, and I can't think of an occasion where um, Brother Porter acted selfishly. Um, whatever you needed, he was there to provide it. If he did not have it, he'd be the first to tell you, I don't have it, but um, give me some time, and, and if uh, once I have it uh, available to me, it's yours. Um, he was always, um, he just had a humble and meek spirit. Um, we all know that uh, he was challenged, as we are all challenged in life. Um, but uh, I can tell you that, similar to, you know, Brother Jones and, and others who who have passed um, in our congregation, that uh, love was the, the first thing. Love for others was always kind of the first priority um, in their lives. And that's a beautiful thing. 
And that is something that, that is a legacy, if you will. That That's the memory that I will keep with me. Um, but I pray that, you know, in those moments where, um, you know, I have the ability to abide in God's love in the essence, uh, in the context of providing um, for the needs of others, that I will act like Brother Porter um, and be selfless and, and, and loving and provide whatever is needed. With that in mind, in 1 John, the fourth chapter, um, it, it talks about this, this very thing, about love. In verse number 15, it says, Whosoever, again, this is 1 John, the fourth chapter, in verse number 15. <clears throat> and, and, you know, and I'll, I'll start from verse number 12. It says, No man hath seen God at any time, that's a declarative statement. No man had seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He hath given us His Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the, that, excuse me, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our, herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldest, boldness, as Paul did, in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say or commit himself to say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, excuse me, for he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. And with that, you have your Bibles, let's turn to Psalms, this 37th chapter, please. So what are you looking for? What do you, what do you hope to gain? I mean, you know, one of the things that uh, uh, I have, uh, I was watching a, a broadcast and I was, you know, listening to a young man say, um, do you think I'm a bad person because I only care about myself? And that 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 really struck me because that's like a I was gonna say that's a dumb question, um, but that is <laughs> that question. He he basically answered his own question by by asking the question, and I, and I would venture to say that. 
he is asking a rhetorical question because he knows he's a bad person because he only cares about himself. Um, and I got to thinking about, uh, you know, why somebody would do that and or why somebody would not. Why would some why would somebody be so invested in themselves that they would not care about the the needs of others? And I would say that that's somebody who is afraid. And here's what I mean by that. I think sometimes when, um, let's say you have uh, money or you you have something that uh, could be used uh, by another person or another person has a need and, and you have that ability to provide that need, but you don't want to give it up because you're afraid of that time in which you will need it and it won't be available to you. Fear, as we just read in 1 John um, uh, the fourth chapter, as it said that there is no fear in love, and perfect love casteth out fear. And I would say that one of the challenges that we have in, in our commitment to uh, remain in the love of God is that we're afraid of those moments where we will have need. We're afraid of those times where um, you know, we'll need that money, or we'll need that food, or we'll need that car, or we'll need that gas, and we won't have it. And then what? And then what? Then we'll truly have to look around and, and say, uh, or having to ask for help is so uncomfortable for people that they will invest everything they have in retaining the things that they have, the extra that they have, and saving that for a rainy day. That really speaks to the parable of the uh, of the man who, you know, had uh, um, and I'm and I'm just going to use my terms because I can't think of the exact phrase off the top of my head. But he had these uh, these stored these places for storing all of his um, all of his wheat and um, and all the the physical things that he had. And he had so much, in fact, that um, he was thinking about building more. And, and Jesus in the parable said, um, Fool, today thy soul is required of thee. And if we are to remain committed to the love of God, we have to let go of the fear of future need or the fear, the fear of moments where we will be in want. And the reason why I say that is because Psalms, the 37th chapter and verse number 4 gives us the confidence to give up that fear. It says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. It says in verse number five, Commit thy way, pledge thy way, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And that's the promise. That's the that's the thing that should give us the confidence to, you know, follow the example of Brother Porter, who would constantly bring by bread, peanut butter, and jelly. Now he could have kept that in his cupboard. He could have kept the the uh, the cereal that he that he that he uh, would give to all of us, um, the sweet potatoes, the uh, the oranges, the um, the grapefruit that he had on his tree, he could have kept all of that stuff in his garage and stored it up for a rainy day. But each and every one of us who are partakers of his loving kindness, we all know that he didn't do that. 
He freely gave it away without with without asking for payment in return. And I would say the reason that he did that is because he wasn't afraid of not having something in the future. He knew his trees were going to bear fruit the next season and the next season after that. He knew that even though he was retired and didn't have a retirement, he was retired but didn't have a means of, but didn't have a retirement. But yet and still, he drove people everywhere. He provided, um, you know, food to, to everybody freely without, with a smile on his face. And I would say that that's an example of somebody who committed themselves to the way of the Lord, who trusted in him. And if you can do that, if we all can do that, if we can all commit ourselves and trust in God in that form and fashion, and it will relieve us of the fear of tomorrow. And if once we have given up the fear of tomorrow, then we can show love today. And if we can show love today, then we will be able to, as, as Paul did in 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, with full confidence, be able to say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And let's commit ourselves to that, brothers and sisters. We have a number of great examples um, in the scriptures. We have a number of great examples in our personal lives um, with our brothers and sisters um, who, have, who have showed us loving kindness um, in the past. And, and let's just commit ourselves to, to following that pattern, commit ourselves to trusting in God. And if we trust in God, he will always, always take care of us. And again, uh, not to not to beat um, beat this point uh, to the point where it's dull, um, but God cares about you immensely, immensely. I mean, Jesus told us that God knows us so closely, so intimately involved with our lives that He has counted every hair that is on our bodies. I haven't done that, but God does. He knows the care. He knows the things that I need. He knows them even before I ask them. So why should I be afraid of tomorrow? There really is no need. It's, it's counterproductive. Um, and, and this is Brother Garner, Thomas Garner, the human. I would say that it hinges on insanity. So the lesson is yours this morning. Um, we will sing a, a song of invitation here shortly, and the floor will be open to anyone who needs to request prayers for strength. Uh, certainly, maybe even a, a prayer for um, a strong, a stronger commitment or pledge to staying in the love of God. Again, if you have need to um, request a prayer of forgiveness, um, we will certainly pray to God that He will forgive you of your trespasses um, and anything else that you may have on your heart. So thank you very much for your time and attention again, and I'll turn it over to Brother Marzette.